Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. Now, in our podcast right now, we are going through a series of sermons where we're talking about how we can have healthier relationships at home. And to do that, we're exploring some of the reasons why we're experiencing some tension or friction in these relationships. And this week, we're going to be talking about an important reality, something that we are all facing right now that is causing some stress in our lives and some friction in our relationships. So let's just get right into this week's sermon. So over the last couple of weeks, we've spent our time together talking about how we can have healthier relationships at home. And right now, we all know how important that is because we are all spending more time than ever in our homes to slow the spread of the coronavirus. And now that we're seven weeks into social distancing, we've all felt at least a little bit of friction in our relationships with our spouses, our children, our roommates, or anyone else we may be living with. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about some of the reasons why we're feeling this friction. Two weeks ago, we saw that one of the reasons why we're feeling this friction is because we are created to live in community. And being cut off from our extended family, our friends, our co-workers, and even our casual acquaintances has caused our stress and anxiety level to rise, which makes us all feel a little short-tempered. And last week, we saw that another reason why we're feeling friction in our relationships at home right now is because we may not be speaking the same love language as the people we live with. Now, the five love languages that we can speak are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And just like trying to communicate with someone in Spanish is difficult if you only speak English, well, trying to communicate with someone in a love language that they don't speak will only cause frustration and friction in our relationships. So those are two things that are happening in our lives right now that are causing some friction in our relationships at home. But I want to spend our time together today talking about one more reason that we're feeling extra friction in our relationships right now. And this one hit home in my house just a few days ago. Now, I know that since we're worshiping together online that some of you don't know me very well. But for those of you that have known me for a while, you know that my family's favorite vacation destination is Walt Disney World. The truth is that my entire family speaks the love language of quality time, so we prioritize our vacations and end up at Disney World every other year or so. And this year, 2020, is supposed to be a Disney year for us. So back in the fall, we started planning our Disney vacation for this June. But if you've ever booked a trip to Disney World, then you know that you don't just need to pick out a date on your calendar and make your hotel reservations. There is a whole lot more that goes into planning a Disney vacation. Six months before your trip, you can start making restaurant reservations. And let me tell you, if you don't make your restaurant reservations six months out, you're going to end up eating dinner at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or after 11 o'clock at night. And then 90 days before your trip, you get to make what Disney calls Fast Pass Reservations. And Fast Pass Reservations essentially puts you into a virtual queue for all of Disney's best rides. So instead of waiting for an hour or two to ride Splash Mountain, you just book a reserved time slot weeks in advance. Well, a few days ago, our 90-day window opened up to make these Fast Pass Reservations. So my wife Ashley got up early and she got to work. And by the time our daughter Hannah rolled out of bed about an hour and a half later, 
Ashley had finished making all of our reservations for our upcoming trip. So when Hannah got up, she wanted to see what reservations we were able to make, and she started to get excited when she saw that we were going to be able to ride some of her favorite rides, like Goofy's Barnstormer or the Cali River Rapids. But then Ashley reminded her that just because we were able to make these Fast Pass reservations on that day, it doesn't mean that we're going to be able to go to Disney World come June. Just like every other non-essential business, Disney parks have been closed down since March 15th, and no one knows for sure when they'll be reopening. USA Today actually ran an article just last week where one analyst predicted that Disney World may not reopen until 2021. And at that moment, when my wife told my daughter we may not be able to make our trip, the tears started to well up in my little girl's eyes. And as Ashley and Hannah talked while I was back in the back of our house getting ready for work, Hannah opened up a little bit and she told us that she wasn't really upset about missing out on our Disney vacation. She was upset because of all of the things that she's missing out on right now, especially the time that she spends with her friends at school. Now I've got to tell you, Hannah has handled all of this social distancing stuff like a champ. But when Ashley told me about their conversation, it drove home a point that is true for every single one of us right now. And here it is. We are all grieving something right now. We are all grieving something right now. Now, typically, when we think about grief, we think about death. And there are far too many families that are grieving the death of a loved one right now. And that's something that is so much harder because of social distancing, too. But we also need to know that grief is not just something that we feel when someone dies. Grief is something we feel over any loss. And we have all lost something because of the coronavirus. More than 26 million Americans have lost their jobs, which also means that they've lost their financial stability and possibly their ability to provide for their families. Big box stores and mom and pop shops alike have lost an untold amount of business over the last few weeks. Children all across the globe have lost their chance to see their friends every day because schools are closed. And teachers have lost the chance to educate our children. High school seniors have had their proms and graduations canceled. And they've lost out on those milestone moments that many of us took for granted when we were growing up. College seniors have lost the final weeks of their academic lives. People that have celebrated birthdays in the last seven weeks, including me, We've lost our chance to have birthday parties and celebrations with our families and friends. And I could keep going, but you already understand what I'm talking about. Because we have all lost something due to the coronavirus. So we are all grieving right now. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Most of the world is not okay right now. So it's okay to grieve what you've lost. It's healthy to grieve what you've lost. And you need to grieve what you've lost, whether that's the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, or even the loss of a vacation that you were looking forward to. And as people of faith, we need to hear that. We need to hear that it's okay to not be okay, that it's okay to grieve. And we need to hear that because there is a perversion of our faith that tells us that when we believe in God, that our lives will be nothing but rainbows and puppy dogs from here on out. That's right. 
There are some people that believe that when you follow Jesus, that your life is like a country song played in reverse. That just by following Jesus, your truck will get fixed, your dog will come home, and whatever problems you may have with your spouse will go away in an instant. But as someone who has been a Christian for more than 30 years, I can tell you that that's just not the case. When you follow Jesus, there will still be times in your life when you're not okay. When you follow Jesus, there will still be times in your life when you feel lost and hurt. When you follow Jesus, there will still be times in your life when you grieve. And you don't just have to take my word for it, because I am far from the only person who has experienced loss and grief after committing my life to following God. The truth is that the longest book in the entire Bible, the book of Psalms, is filled with psalms or sacred hymns written by people who are hurting and grieving. And I want us to take a look at one of those psalms in just a minute. But before we do, I want to take a little time to tell you about the book of Psalms. You see, the book of Psalms is kind of like a hymnal. It's a book that is filled with songs and poetry that the people of Israel used when they worshipped God. And the songs and poetry in the book of Psalms were written by people all along the faith spectrum. There are psalms written by people who are feeling upset and abandoned by God. There are psalms written by people who are overjoyed and celebrating all that God has done in their lives. And there are psalms that are written by people who feel everything in between. So wherever you're at in your relationship with God right now, there's a psalm written by somebody who knows how you're feeling. And almost half of the psalms in this book were written by people who knew what it was like to grieve. We call these writings Psalms of Lament, where the author is filled with sorrow and grief, and they call out to God for help. And that's what we're going to find in the psalm we're reading this morning. In Psalm 31, the author of this psalm knows what it's like to grieve. So let's listen to the words of this psalm. Here's what it says. Have mercy on me, Lord because I'm depressed. My vision fails because of my grief, as do my spirit and my body. My life is consumed with sadness. My years are consumed with groaning. Strength fails me because of my suffering. My bones dry up. I'm a joke to all my enemies, still worse to my neighbors. I scare my friends, and whoever sees me in the streets run away. I'm forgotten, like I'm dead, completely out of mind. I am like a piece of pottery destroyed. Yes, I've heard all the gossiping and terror all around me. So many gang up together against me, they plan to take my life. But me? I trust you, Lord. I affirm you are my God. My future is in your hands. I'd say that the words of Psalm 31 pretty well sum up at least part of how we've all been feeling during this time of social distancing. We've all felt like our lives are filled with loss and sadness. We've all felt like we've been forgotten by the world around us. We've all felt like our lives have been ruined. And that's okay. It's okay to not be okay. When we follow God, God doesn't promise that our lives will be perfect. But God does promise he will be with us. When we follow God, God doesn't promise that our lives will be perfect. But God does promise that he will be with us. 
And that's why the author of the psalm can say that he still trusts in God after everything he's been through. He knows that God is always with him. And God is always with you, no matter what you're facing. So like I've said, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to feel lost. It's okay to grieve. But we also need to be aware that the way that we all process grief can cause some friction in our relationships at home. So I want to spend the rest of our time together today talking about the stages of grief, the way we process grief. And I want to do this so that you can understand how we all grieve so that you can see how your spouse and your kids or your roommates are dealing with their losses, their grief right now. And so that you can avoid some of the friction in your relationships by simply realizing that you and your loved ones are grieving right now. So these are the five stages of grief as defined by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross the Swiss-American psychiatrist who wrote the book on death and dying that has helped define the way that we understand grieving today. Here they are. They are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Now we're going to dig a little bit deeper into each one of these, but before we do, I want to make sure that you understand that although people often think of the stages of grief as lasting for weeks or maybe months, the stages of grief are responses to feelings that can last for minutes or hours as we flip in and out of one and then another. We don't enter and leave each individual stage in a linear fashion. We may feel one way and then another way and then go back again to the first one. And especially when it comes to the most significant losses, you may keep revisiting these stages for years to come. So don't see these stages as something that you want to hurry through just to get to the end. Because there is no end. There's usually just more time spent in the stage of acceptance. But with that being said, let's dive a little bit deeper into each of the stages of grief. So denial is the first of the five stages of grief. And denial helps us to survive the loss that we're feeling. In this stage, the world around us becomes meaningless and overwhelming. Life makes no sense. We're in a state of shock and denial and we go numb. We wonder how we can go on, if we can go on, and why we should go on. We simply try to find a way to get through each day. Denial and shock, they help us to cope and make survival possible. Denial helps us to pace our feelings of grief. And there's a grace in denial. It's, nature, it's nature's way of letting us know that we can handle only so much. And as you accept the reality of your loss and you start to ask yourself questions, you are unknowingly beginning the process of healing. You're becoming stronger and the denial is beginning to fade. But as you proceed, all the feelings you were denying, they're going to start to surface. Like anger. Anger is the next stage of, the, of grief. And it's the one that can cause the most friction in our relationships. And our anger can have no limits while we're grieving. During this time of social distancing, you might feel angry with your spouse or with your kids or your parents. But you might also be angry at the government for closing things down. Or at the coronavirus for causing all of this disruption in your normal life. You might even be angry with God for letting all of this happen. But underneath your anger is pain, your pain. In your anger, it becomes a bridge to helping you face that pain. So even though we live in a culture that tries to suppress anger, you need to feel angry to heal. But you also need to pay attention to when you're angry and who you're taking your anger out on to maintain healthy relationships while you grieve. The next stage of grief is bargaining. 
And in a lot of ways, this is the stage that America is in right now. We are willing to make bargains to try to return to our normal lives. We're all promising to wear masks and gloves when we go out. We're promising to stay six feet apart when we're in public. And we're promising to wash our hands while we sing the ABCs for as long as it takes. During the stage of bargaining, we just want life to return to what it was. We all wish we could go back in time, find the coronavirus and stop it in its tracks before it got started. If only we could. Guilt is often bargaining's companion. The if-onlys cause us to find fault in ourselves, and we think we could have done something differently. We may even bargain with the pain we're feeling. We'll do anything not to feel the pain of our loss. We remain in the past trying to negotiate our way out of our hurt during the stage. After bargaining, our attention moves squarely into the present. Empty feelings present themselves, and grief enters our lives on a deeper level deeper than we ever imagined. This depressive stage feels as though it will last forever. It's important for us to understand that this depression is not a sign of, of mental illness or weakness. It's an appropriate response to our loss. And the greater the loss, the worse this stage will hurt. Unfortunately, we often see this stage of depression as unnatural, a state for us to fix, something for us to snap out of. But since grief is about the process of healing, this stage of depression, it is just part of the necessary steps we have to take to heal. The final stage of grief is acceptance. And this stage is often confused with the notion of everything's going to be okay and we feel all right about what's happened. But that's not the case. Most people don't ever feel okay or all right about the loss that has caused our grief. So the stage of acceptance is really about accepting the loss that we've experienced and recognizing that this new reality is the permanent reality. We may not like it, but eventually we accept that and we learn to live with it and it becomes our new normal. And at first we resist this new normal. We want to go around pretending that nothing has changed after a loss. So we want to go back to eating in restaurants or sitting in movie theaters or rooting for our favorite sports teams in big stadiums. But in time, through bits and pieces of acceptance, we see that we can't. We can't maintain the past the way that it was. Our lives and our world has been changed forever, and we have to adjust to it. We have to learn to adapt to these new realities we live in, like working for home or worshiping on online or wearing a mask when we go grocery shopping. And we also have to reach a point where we can accept that we can't replace the things that we're losing right now, like in the church. We're not going to get Easter back for this year. But that doesn't mean that we won't have other things to look forward to and enjoy in the future. Truth be told, I think we're going to have a much bigger celebration when all of our churches are finally able to meet in person and worship together again than we would on a typical Easter Sunday. And when we start finding acceptance, it may be just about having more good days than bad days at first. But eventually we begin to live again in our new reality, but we cannot do that until we have given grief its time. So those are the stages of grief. But here's the big question. What do we do with all this information? I mean, it's one thing to know that we're all grieving something and to understand the grieving process, but how can we use this information to help us have healthier relationships at home right now? Well, I think there are two things that we need to read in the Bible that will help us put this information to use. In the Gospel of Matthew, or Matthew's biography of Jesus, Jesus tells us this. 
He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And then in Paul's letter to the churches in Rome, he tells us this. He writes, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So now that we know that we're all grieving and we understand the process that we go through while we're grieving, what can we do to have healthier relationships at home? We can begin by comforting our spouses, our children, even our roommates. And that starts by helping them name what they're feeling. So you need to talk with your family and listen to them. And especially when it comes to your kids, you need to be able to help them put a name to what they're feeling right now. Because chances are your eight-year-old's never going to walk up to you and tell you that they're grieving the loss of school. They're going to be sad that they can't see their friends instead. So notice what they're experiencing. And let them know that we are all feeling the same thing right now. That's what it means to comfort someone who, who is grieving. It means that you're with them. It means that you'll mourn beside them. It means that you'll help them through. And if we can do these things... If we can see the loss that our loved ones are experiencing, if we can let them know that they aren't journeying alone, if we can walk with them through the stages of grief, then we'll all have healthier relationships at home. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for this chance that we have had to be together and worship you online right now. And God, we know that that we've all lost something because of the coronavirus. And one of the things that we've experienced is the loss of the chance to meet together in person for worship services. But God, just because we're not able to meet in person right now, that doesn't mean that we can't continue to worship you. So God, help us to accept the reality that we're living under right now. Help us to see that just because we aren't living in the world that we're used to, it doesn't mean that you've abandoned us. It doesn't mean that things won't be better in the future. So God, help us. Help us to deal with the grief that we're feeling. Help us to deal with the losses that we've experienced. Help us to be there for our spouses, for our kids, for our roommates. Throughout this time, let us comfort each other as we mourn. And let us weep with each other while we weep. Let us be present in these moments. But more importantly, let us be your presence in these moments. Help us to make it through these difficult times to a brighter tomorrow. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thanks for listening to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that today's episode has reminded you that we are all grieving something right now. And the way that we grieve, although it's natural and it's necessary, sometimes it does cause friction in our relationships. So I want you to pay attention to yourself and the way that you're behaving and see how you're expressing your grief. And I want you to pay attention to your spouses, your partners, your kids, whoever is living under the same roof with you right now, and see how they're grieving too. Pay attention to that, and don't let your grief get in the way of having healthier relationships at home. Now, in our next episode, we are going to be wrapping up the series. And as we're wrapping up the series, life is starting to get back to some semblance of normal. We're going to be reopening some business and industry in the state of Kentucky where our church is. So we're going to start getting back to normal. But just because we're getting back to normal 
That doesn't mean that we want to give up on what we're learning about having healthier relationships at home. So we encourage you to tune back in next Sunday as our next episode drops. And as always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. So until we see you next Sunday, I hope that you guys have a great week this week. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you back here next Sunday for another Sermon Podcast.